beautiful. And what I really want to know is, what is good in your life today? I'm Kia, and this is the Female Veterans Podcast. And today I am here with someone who is incredibly special to me. We actually met 22 years ago when I was serving in the <laughs> Navy in Great Lakes, and she has been a dear friend of mine ever since, if you will. It was kind of love at first sight <laughs> as far as friendship goes. <laughs> so if you wonder if I believe in love at first sight, I do, because it happened with my dear best friend, Leanne. And let me tell you about her. She is one of the hardest working people I have ever known. As a solopreneur whose career began in the pharmacy where we met, like I said, she's evolved and evolved. She evolved into program administration for allied health programs at Richland College in Texas. She was a professor and she established her own consulting and instructional design sole proprietorship. She is extremely intelligent, savvy, and successful, but it wasn't always an easy road. So today, join me in welcoming Leanne, and she's going to tell us all about her experience and give us some tips and tricks and strategies on how she made it through the transition. So with that, I'm going to say welcome, Leanne. Thank you so much. It's just such a pleasure and an honor to be here with you to share my story, a story that you play such an integral part of. So I'm so pleased and thank you for having me. Awesome. I have a question for you. Okay. I ask everyone this, what made you join the military in the first place? Well, my father several members of my family, in fact, um, had served in the military. My father was an Air Force officer. My grandfather, my maternal grandfather, was an Army officer. And, you know, in the corner of, kind of the back corner of my mind, I had considered the military, although I was sort of really on the university track, get my degree, start my career originally um, as an environmental biologist, and my path just sort of took a different turn. So I had come home um, from university. I was taking a year off. And I came across a recruiting office. Imagine that. <laughs> Famous last words, right? <laughs> you know, to be perfectly honest, I had no intention <laughs> of enlisting at that time. But recruiters, it would seem, are really good at their jobs, right? Mm -hmm. So they said the right things. Um, I took the ASVAB. They said, you know, you tested at the 99th percentile. You could pretty much do <laughs> whatever you'd like to do within the confinements of what women were allowed to do at that time. And given that my mother had a nursing background, I'd always had sort of a, you know, and an underlying interest in the health sciences, um, I decided to enter and pursue a career as a hospital corpsman. So oh that's kind of how that happened. I fell into it, but it was just really great. It was the right choice. Okay. So what was boot camp like for you? Boot camp. So here's the thing. Having come from a military-oriented family, 
square corners making your bed and standing in line as you're being given, we'll say direction, was a kind of a norm in my household, right? So aside from that, um, I was already a runner. So I ran in, you know, the thin Colorado air and going to Florida for boot camp was it was kind of a relief <laughs> in some ways, just because I love to run. We did a lot of running, and I could run like a gazelle in that Orlando air, right? Mm-hmm. So I also really enjoyed getting to uh, be the person who would call out, you know, when we had to like the the, the marching beat. I can't oh, even think okay. of it. So as you're the, the person calling out or singing out the whatever, mm-hmm. like if the you cadence. got to the cadence, mm-hmm. thank you. So if you could be the cadence caller and keep it up the whole time you were out there, gosh, that was like so awesome. It's so dumb, I guess, to think, but <laughs> I really enjoyed that. The, the one thing that was hard, I guess, for me was getting up at three in the morning. So having Reveille at three 30 in the morning and they come in and bang the trash can lids Mm. and all of that was kind of a drag, but you know, because I was not a morning person at that time, I Mm. I have evolved and I am now, but at that time, I think that was probably the hardest getting, having somebody yell in my face, standing for hours, you know, being subject to a regimented routine was something that I'd grown up with. And Mm -hmm. so it wasn't far from, you know, some of my personal norms. If anything, I took comfort in it. I didn't buck it. I kind of fell right in. It was, it was okay. It wasn't bad at all. Did you make any friends while you were there? Like, like tight friendships? No. In fact, mine was the last integrated company there um, in Orlando, company I-052, I remember. (laughs) And, you know, it was interesting as an integrated company and me as, you know, at that time, I was very much a Tom girl, right? Mm -hmm. Tom girl, tomboy, tomboy, whatever. Same, same. (laughs) Anywho, I always had more male friends than I had female friends. So being kind of, I kind of felt like, you know, sort of one of the guys, the guys were not people that, you know, I didn't develop really any friendships with any of them. The women in my company, you know, some of them, they weren't used to the physical activity, the physical fitness, and they whined and cried and it kind of irritated me. And I was like, (laughs) you know what? Shut up. You're making this harder for us. Suck it up, Buttercup, as we're having to make it rain in the room. You're sitting there crying. It's just going to make it last longer. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, I had no interest in carrying on any any friendships, primarily because, like, my mother was sending me these crazy care packages and letters, and a couple of my friends wrote me letters. So I kind of, you know, I've always been, as you know, a quality over quantity kind of person. I have a small intimate group of friends Mm -hmm. and I don't know, that just wasn't a priority to me at that time. Right on. Okay. So after you got out of boot camp, you obviously went to a school, which was core school. Where did you go to school? In San Diego. Oh, how was that? Oh my gosh. It was really incredible. Actually. I, I so enjoyed, I enjoyed that experience. I think Integrating into military life, 
past boot camp, it was kind of interesting because, you know, during boot camp, you're sort of being indoctrinated into this military system where you're thinking and you're, you're being taught to be part of something that is greater than yourself. Mm-hmm. And, but it was branded a little differently when we were in a school, you still had responsibilities to the group, but then there was also this sort of individual achievement piece, um, that you wanted to be a part of and to do well. And I really enjoyed core school. I enjoyed the content. I love maritime history. Yeah, that was cool. Oh my gosh. I love that <laughs> in boot camp. I loved everything about learning about Navy history. I just, oh my gosh, I love it. I agree with that. I collect the books. I, I, I'm into it. Yeah. I love the Navy. Yeah. I mean, well, I I think that, um, I always say everything has a history Yes, and I'm such of like a history nerd. Me too. That like completely the history of a hamburger, like I'm into it. any of that like, so truly history was like yay like ideology is mm-hmm. just of anything is mm-hmm. so fascinating it's to me super cool. truly and so so yes yeah, so i i had a good experience being in another state um you know i traveled outside of the state but it was like for my church choir right mm-hmm. so this was the first time that i was on my own um, you know, aside from, you know, when I had left to go to school and stuff, but it was, it was such a good experience just being out there and boy, you know, you had to get your ass in gear, right? You had mm-hmm. to be there on time, 7am, do what you're supposed to do. There was a lot of pressure as you're developing these clinical skills. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to pursue 8404 as a Marine Corpsman and do mm-hmm. field med school I was attached to Fleet Hospital 6, even though, you know, that's about the time that people were starting to be pulled back at the tail end of Desert Storm. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've got, I still have those desert camis. <laughs> never got to go, never got to do anything yeah, um, exciting. I would have been happy to have gone um, with my shipmates, but it, you know, just kind of didn't pan out. I didn't end up getting to do that. And Same. so serving, oh my gosh serving as a corpsman once I started to staff Mm -hmm. there at the Naval Hospital was, gosh, it was such an incredible experience. I just remember before, I want to think, I want to say this was before I went to pharmacy tech, um, C school, I had the opportunity to, um, take my, um, ACLS certification. Mm -hmm. And that was like taking my, my skills and my training and the things that I was developing as a corpsman and just kicking it up a notch doing ACLS. And then later on as a pharmacy technician, I literally attended every code in the hospital. That's incredible. So I grab that coat bag and run down there. And it's one of those instances in which things are a little different in mm-hmm. DOD land, right? Mm-hmm. So there were things, you know, as a civilian technician, you have to wait for the pharmacist to, to arrive. And the pharmacist did, of course, mm-hmm. arrive pretty quickly, but we were the first ones there getting everything laid out, getting everything set up, and we were on mm-hmm. it. And so having that much responsibility and having a direct impact on patient care just struck me, and I freaking loved it. I loved being part of the trauma cases and, and being there and assisting. I loved the first time I got to stitch someone. Oh my gosh, it was just incredible. It was an incredible experience. And not just that, I guess this, I'm getting ahead of myself, um, but building relationships 
mm-hmm. with patience, mm-hmm. you know, and you're there and it feels good the first time, you know, Marine or somebody calls you doc, you know, you walk in the room, <laughs> Hey doc, you know, help me out. You're going to take care of me. And there's just this rapport. There's this rapport and this trust mm-hmm. and there's a gravity to it, but it's in the best way. I just, man, I, I love that experience. And I think that's why, you know, as a civilian technician later on, when people hear that you're, that you were a hospital corpsman and that you're a Navy tech, they're like, Oh, okay. All right. I know what you are. You're shit hot. That's what you are. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And I've had people tell me that because Navy pharmacy techs, we are, mm-hmm. we are shit hot. We mm-hmm. know our stuff. It's amazing. So, I mean, I'm not going to deny that. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> but you know, you know, I didn't go to C school. I went OJT oh, and so I, incredible. I learned better that way. Like yeah. I like to get up in there and get my hands dirty and learn on the go. And yeah. I, I just think, I feel like it really pushes me and, um, it took me about six months, but I think I became hot shit. <laughs> the pharmacy <laughs> was like, yeah. a, a, was my training ground. And I, I loved it when I was doing it. Because we're a pharmacy and I'm sure you just, you know, you had to kind of prove, prove yourself at first. And then you just, you just jump in there and, and you do your thing and seeing, you know, and one experience, if I can get ahead of myself a little bit, out of, after, you know, having completed my training as a farm tech and staffing there at the Naval Hospital, there was a patient that I had assisted in taking care of. He was a senior chief. And um, so he'd had some type of procedure and he'd had a chest tube in. Mm-hmm. So I'd been able to assist. This was the first chest tube that I ever had the opportunity to remove. Mm-hmm. And so like, it was oh, kind of like a traumatic experience, right? It was like pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he continued to recover and then he got discharged. And then like later on, I saw him in the pharmacy and he was like, Smith. And I was like, Jeez! <laughs> and every time he came to the window, it was like, I was a part of his healing. That was incredible. And I loved that. And as both as a military technician, and then later on as a civilian technician, you see the way that you impact lives. That was just golly, so gratifying. And part of what I enjoyed the most about um, the, the role in which I served. Wow. So yeah. it sounds like to me that you were having a pretty incredible experience as a hospital corpsman and a pharmacy technician. Oh. Did you ever experience any like negative interactions while you were serving? Were you were you lucky and just kind of had a really cool experience? You know, because people do. And, and that's the thing. I am one of those souls that when I enter into discussions like this, and I've had other panel discussions where I've been asked a question similar to that, after having heard a lot of really tough stories that a lot of other people have had. Mm-hmm. And man, I just, I didn't have that many negative experiences. You know, as a woman... Mm-hmm. We sort of grow accustomed mm-hmm. to men saying things that are inappropriate around us. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you know, this was way, 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 way before any kind of me too. 
you just kind of roll your eyes and you're like, whatever, dude. And it was accepted as something that was greater than you that you couldn't do anything about. But I don't, I don't want to say that, I don't want to say that I was ever even really sexually harassed. You know, if anyone, if any, if anything, I was probably maybe I was harassing you. So I don't know. I guess I just didn't have. I didn't have. I didn't have those negative experiences. But at the same time, I think it was because I. I think it's just the way that I came across. I don't mm-hmm. know when you are a powerful person when you work hard people i don't know and and i guess this isn't always the case in my situation i i proved my worth to the people around me i ran circles around a lot of people in terms of my work ethic because my father as a small business owner he's the hardest working person that i've ever known mm-hmm. And I got my work ethic from him. And so for me, I've been, I've had a job since I was 13 years old, mm-hmm. you know, starting with the babysitting and after school programs and work, 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 everything who I mm-hmm. am, I'm performance based. Mm-hmm. That's how I grew up. You proved your worth in my household by what you produced. And so it was an environment for someone like me. I was able to thrive in that environment and I didn't have really too many negative experiences. It's like nothing, nothing really jumps out. I mean, gosh, even working there in the pharmacy, we always had a really good crew. I will say it was really lovely there in San Diego. I had the opportunity to, um, with, Really, really culturally diverse staff mm-hmm. and, you know, being kind of sheltered from Denver, not super, super culturally diverse mm-hmm. growing yeah. up in the eighties and nineties in Denver. So that was kind of a different thing. And I really enjoyed that. I got to experience the joy of Filipino food <laughs> and there <laughs> is was, a joy. I'm it is a lie. joy. Oh. I had a lot of that working in the pharmacy and I loved it. I actually had this civilian tech. Her name was Gloria. Mm-hmm. And she was amazing. Um, she always cooked. We had a lot of potlucks in the pharmacy. Yes. And she was always making amazing, amazing food. Oh. I was very spoiled. Yum. And then we I, we had another uh, civilian pharmacist who, oh my gosh, why can't I think of her name right now? She was amazing. Nancy. I think her name was Nancy. Mm-hmm. Um, she made cakes and she was it the rice and coconut cakes no 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 that was that was gloria that was filipino food i think you're talking about yeah um i love that cake that cake was Mm -hmm. i mean on another level Mm -hmm. but but, (laughs) we're too we're too foodies Uh, she's truly a foodie i'm a closet foodie (laughs) um but so she made these like professional like Wilton stuff like birthday cakes and my favorite was strawberry and she would always make me this huge it looked like a wedding cake like a strawberry cake and it was amazing so if she ever listens to this podcast (laughs) you were the the bomb okay your cakes were on point Gloria you were amazing too so but what's you know what's what's interesting is that you know I knew that you know, given the subject matter of your podcast mm-hmm. and the and the bit that I know from listening to other 
um, women's experiences. I sort of reflected upon that in Mm -hmm. preparation for our visit. And I will say that I heard what other women were going through, even though I wasn't going through it myself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as a, as a hospital corpsman, and then later on as a pharmacy technician, there weren't many billets on a ship. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's, what, one, two people in most dispensaries. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard, you know, to get those billets. And so I spent most of, all of my time, really, at a naval hospital somewhere. I was, yeah. you know, in San Diego, and then I did the temporary swap there um, in Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. I did a temporary swap at Millington, Tennessee, when that was still a uh, naval hospital. It was more like a clinic, but it was <laughs> technically a hospital. It was amazing. I loved that experience too. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I heard what other women sometimes would go through and I would see sometimes other people being mm-hmm. harassed, I guess. Yeah. You know, honestly, how I felt about myself, I was just like, eh, nobody's going to harass me, right? No, I mean, <laughs> I was, you know, kind of a, a, a late bloomer, I guess you could say. So, I mean, I think, I think that it was kind of, at least in my experience, technically there was tons of sexual harassment, right? Yeah. All around. Because um, you are in sort of this man's world. I mean, historically oh, yeah. speaking, the military oh, yeah. is a man's world. It is still very young the way women are are in the military and and how they their careers move in the military and what they're allowed to do. Yeah, and so it's still pretty young if you look at the history of military. Sure, absolutely. And um, I think that being in this man's world, there are certain things that have to happen. You actually have to work a little harder oh, yeah. yourself, which is, you know, not equal, right? We, right? We're aware of that. But going into the military, you realize very quickly that there are going to be things that you need to accept in order to sort of thrive. Absolutely. And you do it sort of unconsciously to where the you're like yes, I'm cool with these dirty jokes. Yes, I'm cool with this, these behaviors, as long as they're not crossing a certain threshold. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, I'm cool. Like, so you get really chill about a lot of stuff and very open-minded about a lot of kinds of humor. Right. Some other women, maybe not in that experience, would not be cool with. So that's kind of my perspective on it. I just was really, really laid back. And like you, I had a lot of male friends. And so I was lucky in certain aspects of my experience to where I was protected by males that I could trust. And there are many women though, that are in situations like um, one of my guests, Lynn, that came on a previous episode, she was in a all male battalion she should have, those guys should have had her back. Instead, they didn't. So that is really an unfortunate situation that she experienced in the army. And that Gosh. happens often. I've had another guest, Angie, who was just on. And in her situation, she was on a base where she was one of like four women, I think it was. Wow. And the just everything that she went through was horrific. And so I, having had these conversations with these women, you know, my military experience was amazing until the day that it wasn't. 
Yeah. You know, and, and so I feel like, but I still feel kind of lucky because there are so many worse things that can happen when you're serving. So, but not every story is a bad one. And so it's really important for me to bring people like you on the show so that people, you know, maybe a girl is thinking of going into the military. They should know what they're going into, good or bad. This is the potential outcome of the situation. Absolutely. And, you know, it's important to be part, to get to feel as though you're part of something that is greater than yourself Mm -hmm. with, you know, I feel now as the mother of two teenagers Mm -hmm. and a preteen, you know, this generation can tend to be sort of self-consumed to some extent and being part of something where you're thinking of the collective good over individual good is, gosh, it's so important. And I think that every young person, if we were like some other countries where there was some kind of obligated service, I think it would be a really good thing. And so um, I don't know. I just, even though there are aspects of it that, you know, I think that, bad things can happen and whatnot. I still think that by and large, I had a really positive experience. And if there was a young woman who wanted to consider the military, that I think it's a very viable option. It teaches you discipline. It teaches you, you know, especially in my vocation as a hospital corpsman, compassion. Um, you have the, the potential opportunity, certainly in a combat situation, What's important to note is while there can be, as you have detailed, a lot of difficulties and challenges sometimes with military life and the things that we have learned to accept as women, I will also say that it is so important and valuable to be a part of something that is greater than yourself. And I'm a firm believer that, you know, if there was some type of obligated service here in the United States mm-hmm. to, to help young people, maybe spend like two years, four years in the military. Oh my gosh, there's so much to be gained from just the discipline and having a routine, touching another person's life, um, being part of a collective effort. You build, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. you build leadership skills, you build collaborative skills, you learn how to communicate effectively. If you're paying attention and you learn from your environment, you do learn to communicate and interact with people. Um, if you're traveling around the world, you have the ability, if you're paying attention and you're choosing to grow, to gain intercultural competence. Mm-hmm. Um, find out about other cultures. Find things to appreciate about the differences that exist. Um, across cultures. Uh, my gosh, that's part of why I think what was just the beauty that shaded that experience mm-hmm. is that I got to work with people from every walk of life as well. And so, golly, I just gained so much and it is a part of who I am as a person yeah. as as a result. So yeah, by and large, I think it was a wonderful experience that I, I think I probably isn't for everyone. Right. But for someone with my background, it actually was a, a pretty wonderful experience overall. Right on. Well, I definitely uh, loved the times that I got to spend with you in the military. Likewise. So 
definitely how we met was when she came to do a swap, like we needed some help in the pharmacy. We had a recruit surge, which means in the summertime, lots of new recruits. And in the pharmacy, everyone's getting sick because everyone's coming from everywhere and, um, and everyone gets sick. So in the pharmacy, you get an influx of patients that need medications. And so, uh, and the military, as I always say, uh, pharmacy, when you work in the pharmacy, everyone's like a pharmacist. I mean, they have technicians and that's the technical term, but we were doing the same job as the pharmacists. Um, and that was when we were very young, it was a lot of responsibility, but it was very, very gratifying work. And I loved to interact with people. I, I absolutely loved my job in the pharmacy. I didn't so much like to be called doc. I don't want to touch people. (laughs) It wasn't for me. I didn't have that wonderful, like flowery experience um, treating patients. Um, It wasn't for me. I had a run at it. No, thank you. But working in the pharmacy, memorizing the medications, what they were for, helping people understand how they would affect their bodies was like life for me at that time as a young woman. And I absolutely wouldn't trade that experience for anything in the world. It was amazing. And so how we ended up meeting was that she turned up one day to help us out with this recruit surge in the summertime. I mean, thousands of thousands of people, like lines all around the hospital coming in (laughs) for medications. And we were just inundated. So uh, she came to help. And I will tell you the minute I saw her, I was like, (laughs) this girl and I are going to be the best of friends. And that is exactly (laughs) what happened. And so now some 22 years later, we're still having a blast. So, um, so We've spent a lot of our lives um, at a distance, but very closely connected anyway. And so I've had the the privilege of watching many transitions in your life. So I, I, I am going to ask this question anyway. What was transitioning out of the military like for you? Yeah. So that's where the story gets, gets a little interesting because when I transitioned out, I think because I was used to those norms, Mm -hmm. um, I was used to the routines and the things that we were allowed to do Mm -hmm. in the pharmacy as military techs. Mm -hmm. Man, I got out and it was a different story. Yeah. Completely Mm-hmm. as a civilian, you know, I moved out here. I moved out to Texas with, um, the, the guy I was dating later married and, um, I couldn't find a hospital pharmacy job right away. Interestingly, just, you know, even when I would moonlight, cause of, of course, when you don't have any kids and you're single, of course you have three jobs, right? Mm-hmm. So I would work, especially in my last duty station, I worked on base and I did the four tenths or whatever there. And then I worked 10 hour shifts on the weekends. And then I got like a third job because, you know, shoe money, right? Mm-hmm. So shoe money, shoe money. <laughs> and so, you know, as a civilian, it, these were all in, in hospital pharmacy settings is kind of the point that I was making. And so it never really even occurred to me. Mm-hmm. 
um, to work in a retail pharmacy. In fact, the closest thing that I'd ever worked, um, the closest thing to a retail pharmacy was when I worked at 32nd Street. So 32nd Street was a branch pharmacy. I was there in San Diego. Can I tell one of my 32nd Street stories? Go right ahead. Oh my gosh. So this was just the Oh, it's the funniest thing. So I was working there in the pharmacy, right? And so it was kind of set up like an outpatient pharmacy. It was an outpatient pharmacy, in fact. Mm -hmm. And so, but it was, you know, serviced, active duty service members, um, their dependents and retirees. So during the, you know, the middle part of the day, of course, it got really super busy. We had a line out of the door. So, um, so there are all these people in line, um, including this sweet little old lady. She becomes relevant later. So this um, young woman comes trouncing into the door, right? Marches right to the front of the line. Everybody's looking at her like, um, what are you doing? And so, you know, she turns and she says, oh, my husband's a lieutenant. So, wow. <laughs> Entitled much? Entitlement. Exactly. Wow. And, well, <laughs> this little lady, this sweet little gal who had been in the line, she turned and she said, well, my husband is Rear Admiral such-and-so, is the commander of such-and-so Pacific Fleet, so I think you better take your ass back in line. Oh, no. <laughs> so she turns seven shades of red. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And took it to the back of the line, and I, oh, I loved seeing her get put in her place. That was so great. Oh, it was so great. <laughs> and she just said, oh, and, and that, you know, seasoned military wife was like, whatever, you know, mm, and it was, so, it was so great. So, but, <laughs> but that was the closest thing that I ever had to working out patient pharmacy. And so never even occurred to me, aside from the fact that I was coming from um, California mm-hmm. to Texas. So cost of living was different and the pay was very different. Mm-hmm. So I kind of was holding out, you know, for a hospital pharmacy job. So, you know, as time went on, I did, you know, I think the very first job that, that I worked here in, te- well, there, I guess I shouldn't say here, but there in Texas was working for a pharmacy software company, mm-hmm. completely outside of anything that I'd ever done. You know, and I think the, the most prevailing thing that I felt was lost. Mm-hmm. I felt lost that, I that a lot. I the military and the culture and those around me and the routine, it had become part of who I was mm-hmm. as a person. That was my family. Yeah. And civilians didn't understand. No. They didn't understand. And yeah, people laugh and say that maybe, you know, that we don't have any military bearing. Well, we have a hell of a lot more than civilians do. <laughs> and so being out we just like that fun in the movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so you know, being outside of that, it was really hard. I wanted my family back, you know, mm-hmm. you feel separation anxiety to some extent. Mm-hmm. And then once I did eventually get a job in a hospital pharmacy, the one thing that always struck me was how they told us everything we couldn't do. Yeah. Oh, you're just a technician. Yeah, that's what's got me. That. I was not going to go to school to become a pharmacist to do a job that I've yeah. been doing for the last three years. I knew like inside and out. It seemed like a waste of money. And that's the thing. And becoming a pharmacist was just not... 
it wasn't my dream. I, you know, I, I could have followed that clinical pathway, but I don't know. It just wasn't something that I wanted to do. I was happy enough, I guess, as a pharmacy technician. Besides, again, you know, I, I think I, I said the wrong thing early on. I said environmental bio- biology, and I really meant environmental geology. So this was, I was kind of far off of my original career path. But, you know, I, I really enjoyed working in the pharmacy. I really enjoyed the work that I did. And not just that, for um, my last duty station, I got a chance to um, to act as our, our safety training person within the department. And that's where I kind of started to dip a toe into mm-hmm. education and training. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's where that began. That's where that began. And then when I was in stationed in San Diego, I um, became an American Red Cross AIDS and HIV instructor as well. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, this was in the early to mid nineties and you know, the height Things were different of HIV epidemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and being a part of educating people about the myths that were associated with HIV infection was extremely important. And I loved being part of that early on to demystify how a person could and could not contract AIDS. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that actually it just reminded me that I think here's a little known fact and you probably don't even know this about me. Okay. When, (laughs) when I was in private school Uh in the eighties, I was part of a PSA video about HIV and AIDS. Really? And it was a bunch of school kids and we would ask questions about the the disease. And so there was someone and teaching us kids about HIV and AIDS. And I think I must have been in like maybe fourth or fifth grade really? at the time. That's kind of cool. But it was a thing. And, you know, I got to learn a lot about it really early. Yeah. So I always had a very open-minded perspective and understanding about what it really was. So did I. And it did. It framed my life experience. Mm-hmm. I lost friends. Eh, um, likewise. And that, yeah, gosh, just hangs as those are all tears in my soul. Always, always, Amazing, always. though, that they have medications now. It's incredible, isn't it? That can, you know, bring the active in- infection levels down to where they don't experience all that same degree of immunosuppression mm-hmm. and can actually live healthy lives and long healthy lives it's just yeah. it's it's amazing what science can do really it really it is amazing because i remember in all of those early videos mm-hmm. how you know there was one particular video of course we we presented it as part of of the workshop mm-hmm. that we did it was a 4 hour workshop you know and this you know, man talking about his experiences as, you know, it was, you know, quite often these secondary and tertiary infections mm-hmm. that ultimately would claim right. people's lives. And he said, you know, I don't want to die. I want to live. I want to experience oh. my family. And by the time the video, you know, of course they were giving all these testimonials and, you know, he did ultimately pass away. And it's so seeing how, how that whole, gosh, immunotherapy, how, how that 
it just advancements in antiviral viral therapy is just is really, really incredible. And so I'm very happy. That's kind of exciting that that's mm-hmm. like a little linkage that we have. Yeah. But that's really where I got a sense of, wow, I really love being part of the education and training process. And so, you know, as a civilian, I, you know, I feel like I had to find ways to redefine myself. I think Mm -hmm. as a person, I've had these cycles throughout my life of needing to sort of reinvent myself Mm -hmm. if whether or not it was through no fault of my own, um, because of, you know, stupid choices that I made and I had to re, you know, sort of hit the reset button and move in a different direction or because of forces that were outside of my control, I needed more weaknesses are weaknesses. You can try to shore up a weakness. It's, you know, there's, there's a series of, of books that, you know, first break all the rules and now find your strengths. And I'm a big strengths finder kind of person. Identifying early on what your strengths are, I think is extremely important. And so I think that was a big part of my evolution as well in my career. We read, interestingly enough, we read that book, um, now find your strengths as a leadership team while I was working there um, at Baylor. And I took the typology assessment and I learned what my core strengths were. And I took that information to heart and I determined that I was going to do some things to be very intentional about how I was going to develop. So out of all of my experiences, you know what? I just took what I learned and I just sort of added it to my repertoire and found other ways to develop these strengths in myself. And then when the next opportunity came along where I identified a need that I would be able to fill, then I was equipped to then move into that next role. And I feel that's sort of how my career, you know, has gone. You know, when I first decided to, to move on to the college, I sat down with my director of pharmacy at that time. And I said, you know, Mike, I, I really want to do this, but man, I love my job. And he said, no, this is, this would be a really incredible thing that would stretch you, Leanne, and you would be a fool not to take this position. We'll miss you and blah, 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 but go and do that thing. And I, and I was always so thankful that, you know, for his, for his support and, just really, my gosh, he was such an advocate always. And, you know, and he, of course, continues to be just a force in pharmacy, not just in Texas, but nationwide, just an incredible man. And so having these incredible people who, you know, supported me and advocated for me just continued to propel me forward, aside from the fact that I was also working really super hard mm-hmm. as well. And so, you know, after a period of time, I found that the curriculum development piece was, man, that was something that I really enjoyed. And after I, you know, I finished my, my undergrad and started my graduate program, but the, boy, the routine there at the college, it was as such that, you know, was, I was there during the recession and mm-hmm. the college belt had to do some belt tightening, like a lot of other employers during that period, right. we lost a ton of people and so there were, we were subject to all of these reorgs mm-hmm. and reorg is a fancy way of saying, do more with less, smile and be happy about it. And so every person ends up having this huge stack of hats 
Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I was, or as I like to call it, overworked and underpaid. Yes. <laughs> overworked and underpaid. And I started to get crispy burnt. And I just, I needed to do something different. I right. needed, and I had identified early on one of the things that I got a chance to do um, through my affiliation with the college was to serve as an accreditation surveyor with an accrediting body, the American Society of Health System Pharmacists, Mm -hmm. which accredits pharmacy technician training programs nationwide. And so I served as a guest surveyor. I'm traveling around for programs who wish to seek their initial or to affirm an existing accreditation. And as I was working with these program directors across the country, I found so many people who had the same story that I did. You have this dream and this idea of how you would wish for your program to be if you had the time. Mm -hmm. But so many of them, they were teaching and they were involved in the entire coordination of their students and setting up externships and doing all of the paperwork. And then of course, you know, you're subject to reporting um, completion data and all this stuff for the college or for the university, you know, depending upon your employer. And it's just so much. And I thought, man, in one year's time, here's what I want to do. I want to transition out as an education consultant while I'm working on my master's study and kind of see where it takes me because I just, again, kind of like in their early days, I needed more. I needed something different and I saw a sustainable need that I would be able to fulfill to another way to give back to the profession that I loved Mm -hmm. in a meaningful way, but to help other people who are going through the same things that I did, who want quality programs. And, but you know, sometimes it takes a village and having another person there to partner with, um, with whom you could collaborate to, you know, to enact some things and to, to refresh your curriculum, your coursework and things of that nature. I wanted to be able to help Mm -hmm. and, and make a difference. And so that's kind of the direction um, that my career went. So I left the college in 2016 and began my career independently. First, as you know, as an education consultant, I did a few different types of projects. And as I continued to grow, kind of as a formalized instructional designer, then that's when I had the opportunity to build a couple of new programs and I've, you know, gotten a chance to do a a few different types of design projects. Um, The clients that I work with now, I, you know, assisted in writing another technical manual, kind of like a textbook for um, a curriculum um, and am working with another client and the new program development and writing the coursework. Um, along with a, a team of IDs, and it is incredible. And I'm, you know, mm-hmm. helping to lead this team of IDs um, in my role for this particular contract. And I just, man, I tell you what, I I work some crazy hours. <laughs> you do. You work all the time, which I respect that. And but I will, I will say, if I can go back just a little bit, because yes. this all sounds really incredible. Right. And I've watched it happen and it's yeah. been an incredible journey. But make no mistake, I want to just make it really, really clear that this woman worked her butt off to get here. Yeah. Like there were very difficult times. 
everything was not rosy no. all the time. Yeah, I was writing you know? that book as I was going through a divorce. Right. Uh, like there were <laughs> there were like yeah. there were like serious hardships yeah. that occurred there. So sure. I mean it's it does sure. sound amazing, but I do want to make it clear that it was not an easy transition. It didn't just go from yeah. being in the military and having this military career to this amazing you know, entrepreneurial status and, and like creating amazing work for her clients. There were struggles there. She worked her butt off. And I think one of the things that I really want to emphasize about that is that one of the things she said was that she used the skills that she learned in the military. And she also redefined herself repeatedly. So if I was going to offer a strategy from what I've heard that she said for anyone coming behind her and trying to figure out, okay, I'm out of the military now. What am I going to do? Look at the strengths that you did acquire while serving. There are very many skills that we all learn regardless of what we experience. Absolutely. Those skills are strengths regardless. Take those skills and redefine yourself and then start moving in the direction of what you want. It's a mindset and you can get what you want. It's about your choices. There weren't always good choices. Like she said, sometimes she made bad choices, you know, but she always bounced back by redefining herself and recognizing the bad choice she made, changing her mindset about it, and then moving towards the goal. So, and that is exactly how I watched her get to where she is right now. A very, very successful woman running her own business, commanding top dollar, and anyone out there can do it because I was with her when she was struggling. I was right there. I saw it happen, you know, and I watched this woman bust her butt to get to where she is right now. And I know that if she can do it, anyone can do it, you know? So anyone out there that's struggling right now, that's not understanding or thinking or, 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 or being able to figure out what their next move is going to be, start thinking about what your strengths are, start there and then thinking about where you want to go and then make that plan and just work at it. Absolutely. But recognize that you don't have to do it alone because, you know, if I can put a plug in there for community colleges, here's the thing. There's a community college, gosh, in every community. (laughs) And a lot of people, particularly you know, I, I want to say when we were in the military, there weren't a lot of people, especially on the enlisted side, who had family members who were degreed. Mm-hmm. And so many people that I was in and around would have been first generation college students. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people I'm maybe, like- you know, you get out, you get out of the military and the idea of going back to school, when you do feel lost... As I did, mm, I was lost too. You bad. don't, yeah. You don't know what options you have. Mm-hmm. You know, it took time, and a lot of people, it takes a bit. You mm-hmm. know, to learn. Not everyone Years has even. the opportunity to assess their strengths. Mm-hmm. Do a web search and find those typology assessments. You can. You don't have to read the book, although it is a great read, and I do recommend it. <laughs> um, 
There are typology assessments that help. There are tools that help you to identify, you know, what are my vocational strengths? What are my core skills? Because you know what? You will find that those core talents and skills could be applied to a variety of different vocations. In fact, when you take the Strengths Finder assessment, it will generate sort of um, a, a results report and also gives you examples. If you, it's like a four character code mm-hmm. that is like you're you're like I am an INTJ, right? And so when I look at what kinds of vocations are great for INTJs, it gives you a starting point for you know looking at okay, what do I? What's my next move? What I want to do? And go to the go to your local community college, community college campuses. Quite often they're less intimidating. The tuition's a whole lot lower. But you know what I found, such as was most definitely the case at Richland College was there are some incredible faculty who are there at the, in the community mm-hmm. community college setting because they like the smaller class sizes. Mm-hmm. And it just takes the time to figure it out. So I think the point I'm trying to make is that you don't have to stay stuck. You don't have to stay lost. There's ways to move forward. There are ways to move forward. And I think it will surprise you how there is some pearl from your experience in the military that there is no civilian equivalent for your shit hotness. And there will be something you call it shit hotness though. (laughs) You know, there's no civilian equivalent for whatever it was that you did Mm -hmm. as a military, as a military Mm -hmm. person. And, and what golly. and how you learned, what and how you learned. Because for me, yeah, that's how I learned. Absolutely. Is that accelerated learning that was incomparable yeah. in the civilian world, how quickly I could learn a new skill. Most definitely. And those, those are those intangible assets that we gained mm-hmm. from being part of the military. So mm-hmm. don't sell yourself short on those things, the ability to think on your feet, the ability also just to flat fall in mm-hmm. and do what you need to do. And to suck some shit up. Like, yeah, for real. <laughs> Truly. I mean, we, we collaborate better. We're better team members mm-hmm. because we were part... Better be- leaders. Absolutely. We're better leaders. Enlisted or officer. Absolutely. Just to be able to lead people is just an invaluable Most, most definitely. So... Look, look within, but also look without and know you'll have those resources um, there on that, on that college campus as well. And I think that you'll find that you're not alone, that there are a lot of other people who are in the same position. Mm-hmm. And my gosh, that's a place where you can find family. That's a place where you can find a springboard for for redefining yourself in a, in a whole new way. So if you're feeling alone and you're feeling lost, mm-hmm. look at some tools for assessing all the good stuff that you gained from your, from your military experience and then find some ways to mobilize. Right. Those big, all that, that good stuff. And okay. And so then there are people out there that might be struggling with like depression and anxiety and PTSD. And it's, a, and admittedly, it's going to be a little bit harder yeah. for you. Sure. So before you do all that, seek some support. Yes. It's all yeah. about support. Get support, whether it's from therapist or a peer support 
you know, reach out to another veteran. But the point is to reach out and talk to somebody that can help you get on the path. And then once you, once you're getting your, your illness and your discomfort and your, your emotions in order, then the next step is to look at all of these things, look at what vocations you would be best at and to figure out how to redefine yourself. Because if you, sometimes we come out of the military and we don't want to even think about the military. Sometimes we want to demilitarize ourselves and we go running in the other direction as far as we can, because that's what I did. Yeah. Okay. I'm one of those people who did that. I was like, no military, anything for a good minute. And I don't want to think about it or talk about it and don't talk to me about it. (laughs) Like like I went really far in the opposite direction and, and that's okay too. Absolutely. But once you, once you're ready to start moving forward, you know, these are tools that can really, really help you. You know, it's good to sometimes know, even if you're not going to use it right away. Oh, absolutely. It's good to have that in your toolbox, though, for a later date. Yep. So, again, I advocate for always finding someone to talk to, getting peer support or mental health support, if if you're comfortable with that. But just having someone to talk to to start you in the direction of healing, because a lot of us have experienced trauma and you can't move forward down a successful path when you have unresolved trauma. Absolutely. My first piece of advice to go along with this is to start talking to someone and start working through that when you're ready. And then once you're, you're through that and once you're doing that and you're ready to take the next steps towards your goals or your dreams, then listen to this advice again. Most definitely because, and recognize that gaining support and seeking help is strength. Mm -hmm. It is not weakness. So Mm -hmm. often, and you're not a victim, you're a survivor. Exactly. You're not a victim. You are a survivor Mm -hmm. and seeking those supports, whether, you know, in the profession of pharmacy, we say there's nothing wrong with gaining better health through chemistry. Mm -hmm. You do what you got to do to cope and to get healthy and Mm -hmm. to feel healthy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, Gosh, as a society, of course, we need to continue to destigmatize behavioral health challenges because millions of people in the U.S. population are challenged with some type of behavioral health issue. Mm -hmm. So don't let any convention make you feel shamed or Mm -hmm. make you feel as though that is weakness. It is strength to reach out for the resources that are around you and take Mm -hmm. advantage of them and get to a healthier point where you can be your best self. And then you can dig deep and look and see what are the things that you did gain? If there Mm -hmm. are some positive things, good things that you gained out of your military experience that you could then apply and to create a better life for yourself and for your family on down the line. Normally this is the point where I say what tips tricks and strategies <laughs> do you have that you can pass on but i think that we just discussed those yeah i think so too <laughs> so i i guess with that i need to start wrapping this up and i just want to say you know how much i love you, oh, I love you <laughs> and i think you are just <laughs> the most amazing person ever you are <laughs> oh <laughs> and um 
I want to thank you for taking the time out to come out here and do this interview with me live in my little mini studio and um, (laughs) hang out and just have the best time and talk about your experiences. And it's so important to share the good ones as well as the bad ones. And I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that yours was a good one, you know, and, and it's such a blessing. I think all of us that have not had direct trauma are so lucky I'm finding. And so to just, to feel that and to realize what a blessing that is. And um, don't take that for granted. That's for sure. Because, you know, and, and I guess, I guess I don't. I'm the type of person that I've, I've found, I think just because I'm, you know, because of my faith, I see the purpose in, in whatever struggles that I've had and every struggle, every challenge was preparing me for whatever was going to be that next leg Mm -hmm. of the journey. And so, you know, I, I hope that I didn't paint a rosy picture because it hasn't always necessarily been easy. And, you know, you, you, you struggle with loneliness and you struggle with feeling lost and you struggle with thinking, God, oh shit, did I do the right thing? Mm-hmm. And am I, am I headed in the right direction? And, you know, what are going to be the implications, especially once you have a family, once I had children, mm-hmm. you know, there, I had to think, I couldn't just think about what what I wanted to do. I had to think of what was going to be best right. for my children. And then later on for a period as a single parent, mm-hmm. after a divorce, then you have to reinvent yourself all over again. Yeah, so reinvention is seeming like it's the key. And with that, I'm going to wrap it up. So... Thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much for coming on this journey with me. I appreciate you. I love you guys. And I'll talk to you next time.